Let's go. Three, two, one. Let's, Let's go. go. <laughs> yes, I'm the host of the PB podcast, Troy Tillemeyer, and I am joined by Sean today. That's live from Intercom 2021. It's the last day of Intercom 2021 at the Westin Downtown Denver, an amazing event, a must uh, be at event every year. If you're in the oil and gas industry, you want to get really involved and really build your contacts with people that are making a difference in this industry and are in it. And that's what Sean is. Sean, please introduce yourself, man. And let's go around the horn real quick. Yes, sir. Let's do it. My name is Sean Kimiagar. I'm a geologist by background. I'm a technical advisor at Enveris, artist formerly known as uh, Drilling Info. And uh, I'm in beautiful Denver, Colorado at the, the fantastic show that uh, folks at Intercom have put together. Intercom 2021. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, <laughs> well, dude, what dropped out for me, man, was some was some interesting things, right? My, I thought, I think unconventional players are that. Those are those players. We know them. Oh, yeah. They have some money to keep drilling, keep doing their thing, kind of managing the decline curve. I don't think there's new drilling money coming in for them. That's just how I felt kind of going into this conversation. I thought new drilling money was going for a conventional stuff, so things that have an actual KFE relationship. You know what I mean? That the engineers mm-hmm. start making predictions. EURs are a little more predictable, a little safer investment, maybe vertical wells, modern technology, frack those things, find the conventional stuff manage a better decline curve than the unconventionals but from this conversation you're like dude you know esg was a big subject right if if you're just becoming more efficient if you can show that your efficiencies are increasing your profit margins are increasing you got a cash flow that's a big deal if you're paying down your debt that's a big deal if you're showing that then hey the money's there the the, the guys in this industry are ready to support the people that are really doing it and moving forward and be, and getting more innovative and 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 creating a better product than before uh and and that that was pretty cool to hear uh i didn't want to be like doom and gloom and say that you know the unconventionals are potentially dying but mm-hmm. as long, if that decline curve keeps looking like a hockey stick it's just that's just the reality of it that's the reality yeah. i l- let's see what happens what dropped out for you man no i i think uh, I'm, I'm i'm glad you're bringing this up as well because uh so one again the companies that represented represented here they ne- didn't necessarily talk about conventional i'm sure if there were those guys here they would have talked about uh, conventional as well like I, like we said there's there's potential an opportunity in both fronts. Uh, Sipes Houston, like I said, does an amazing job at both unconventional, but also it's packed with folks who are doing amazing conventional work in the Gulf Coast. Um, if it, and I know, so uh, I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with, you know, Sipes, uh, Austin, and San Antonio. They're good organizations too. Houston one, great one. If That's you, the you ever get a chance. Of, society of Independence, something like that, right? Society of Independent Petroleum, uh, Independent Profession, Society of <laughs> Professional, um, Earth scientists. Okay. It's definitely independent. <laughs> definitely independent. Independent, right. yeah. Independent. independent it's independent earth scientists, but essentially what it is is folks who have either their own one, two, three man shops um, uh, who do right. oil and gas exploration. You also have folks from bigger companies who show up, but, uh, you know, they, and they have interests either in uh, the actual uh, conventional work or just for the science of it. They want to see what's happening in the industry. Um, they, they do a great job at, uh, like I said, both the technical and the business side of things. They do a really good job at business networking um, and, and connecting people. It's like a mini, mini NAPE every month almost. 
Right. Uh, I've been to the Sipes uh, talks in Midland, and it's the only one, which is, by the way, I don't know why this is, but it's the only one that will serve you wine during the lunch. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, this is great, man. It's just well, like, as opposed to nothing or as opposed well, to like tea, you know what I mean? Some well, tea, no, some coffee. Uh, no, the, 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 the Houston one, you know, there's definitely wine, but I, there's, they also have like, I think they have like whiskey tasting and things like that every now and yeah. again. It's the experience, <laughs> guys, you got to hang out with, man. You hang yeah. out with the experience. They they had a they had a mini golf um, um, happy hour on the I think thirty fifth floor it is uh, of of the building so the Petroleum Club in Houston I think is at the thirty fifth floor of a of a tower downtown and they had a little mini golf uh, happy hour they have a lot of good events see right, uh, there's, there's a really nice and young crew just running the show and super passionate about the industry running the sites or running yeah. yeah. Is that right? I thought you had to be a certain age and a certain amount of experience. I, I thought the board had rules like that. You, you certainly have a lot of um, uh, experience in the room, which is one of the things that makes it so rich um, in, in experience. Sure. And, uh, but uh, also, you know, the folks who are running it, I don't want to age them, but I think they're all in the 30s. Wow. Um, right it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Right uh, all right, man. So Intercom 2021, you're wrapping it up. Yeah, so a couple of other things I would say. One thing we were talking about um, upstream and then going to uh, uh, private equity. One thing I found that was really, really interesting was that uh, your operators obviously are like, over and over and over saying we're working to either we are, this is our free cash flow, or we're working to get to a certain amount of free cash flow. Like, you know, free cash flow was king. Everybody was talking about it. Paying down debt was big. The uh, future. Uh, some folks on, on the midstream side were talking about uh, expansion from state to state. That was really interesting to to see as well. But about PE private equity, what was really interesting is that you had private equity folks uh, go go on stage and essentially pitch themselves. Which again, you think it's only going to be operators talking and saying, "Hey, give us money," but then you had private equities up there saying, "Hey, we do a lot of creative work, uh, creative deals." We're flexible. Uh, Our deals can be closed anywhere between four to 16 weeks, depending on how well we know the company already. So it was interesting uh, to me that there were both uh, kind of pitching to meet in the middle with the others. What a great and opportunity, man. It, it was a beautiful you know, romance between capital uh, givers and those who need that capital. Wow. Um, man, that's great to hear. Capital provider is probably a better word than capital giver. But yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, lear- we're learning here. Um, well, you got the rest of the day to get after, man. I appreciate you more than you know uh, for joining and being willing to talk about this stuff and, and kind of report, man, uh, how it's going and what you're hearing. Uh, and your experience, again, I think provides such an interesting insight, man. Such an interesting insight. I got a lot of value out of the conversation that I'm going to move forward with. Uh, <clears throat> try to stay tuned, man. Friday, we're doing the Serpentosphere live. What is it? How is it made? How is the ocean floor actually made? You know, what are the okay. rocks that are being made in the ocean floor? That's Friday with Magma Kim and PBE. And uh, and then, dude, we're, we're getting ready for the WTGS show. We're going to reinterpret some theses. Okay. Dive into that new data, high resolution stuff. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, and start making some new interpretations of the basin. Get excited, man. Bring some innovation. Bring some innovative thought anyway uh, to the basin. And, and uh, we got a special show happening there, too. Uh, so just stay tuned, man. I, I am a fan of you, sir. And right, I, right back at you, man. You know, you you praised what we're doing at PBE and the energy we put out and these new ideas and stuff. But honestly, I am just a reflection of you. 
I'm just a fraction of your energy, man, and what you're doing. And I'm a fan. I'm a fan of what you're doing. I appreciate it. And I love your passion and what you're putting forward in this industry, man. So let's stay connected, dude. Let's do this absolutely. again. A longer show. Yeah, absolutely. I, I might even come out to Arizona someday. I mean, I'd like uh, to see what's, what's behind that green wall. And uh, You can decide <laughs> the serpentosphere. Hey, it gets weird inside the serpentosphere. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Listen, Sean, we are officially starting the conception part of this show. And okay. it's with Sean Kimiaguer coming out, coming live from Intercom 2021. Did I get that last name right after yes. saying it like 700 times? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Welcome to the PVE podcast, man. Thanks for joining. Thank you, sir. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Right on. Okay, dude. It, you got to take us through kind of where you got your undergrad. You, you're a geologist. Yes, sir. Where you got your degrees kind of how you progress through a uh, young professional career and why your perspective on intercom 2021 is going to be the most important perspective to share to the audience, of the PB podcast, man. I'm excited to hear what you want to drill down into. I'm excited to, to hear about the vibes of 2021 intercom. I got to go in 2019. We'll, we'll talk about that in the drill down. Uh, please tell us a little bit about Sean, man. How did you get here? Sure, man. Happy to. Uh, so, First of all, before we even get started with that, I want to say um, you know, 2020 was rough on a lot of people. I'm an extrovert. You know, the, the first few months of it was, uh, you know, we're actually kind of okay because we were busy, you know, all that jazz. But um, a after a little while, after a couple of months starts getting to you, I just want to say kudos to you and thank you because you were one of the podcasts. The podcast really got me through a lot. And um, I, I, you know, quite frankly, your energy, all that, let's go. All of that really was a, you know, one of the many things, it was one of the important things that got me and I'm sure a lot of other people through it. So thank you for your wow. energy, for your enthusiasm, for your curiosity, man. It's, uh, it's definitely um, contagious. I don't know if right. that's a good word to use these days or not, but yeah, it's, it's a viral, it's a viral energy you got. Thank you, thank you, I can't bottle it in, man. I got to share it. I got to give it out. It's too much for me to handle, man. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so yeah, as far as who I am, um, I'm Sean Kimiaga. I'm a geologist. I got my undergraduate degree in Abu Dhabi, a uh, university called Petroleum Institute uh, in, in Abu Dhabi. It's what? Cool... Yeah, yeah. Dude, what? <laughs> How did that happen? So uh, my parents, so we were expats. My dad, you know, my, uh, my mom was a nurse in, in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. My dad worked for Abu Dhabi. His company was contracted by Abu Dhabi National Oil Company to build towers and headquarters and things like that for them. He's a mechanical engineer. You and, grew up there? Yeah, pretty much. A lot of my uh, um, young, young adult years were, were there. What? High, high school and undergrad were, yeah, yeah. What? Have you been on that man-made island? <laughs> yes, I have many times. Dude, have you been <laughs> to the top of the tallest building in the world? I have many times. It's, what? It's, it's, You're like the coolest fucking geologist I've ever met right now, dude. So, so Dubai is, is one of those cities that, uh, like, I would imagine if you're a New Yorker, it's similar to that. You never go to the you know, top of the rock unless you have uh, visitors. But when you live in Dubai, everybody comes and visits. Um, so uh, whenever we had guests, those were some of the uh, you know top choices. Let's go to the top of the you know Burj Khalifa. Let's go to uh, you know the Palm Palm Jumeirah and Atlantis wow. Hotel and all that jazz. Yeah, yeah. Dude, how many geologists did you go to school with in Abu Dhabi? 
Um, I, if I remember correctly, my class was right around 20, 30 or so, right, wow. right around, yeah, somewhere in between there. Um, yeah, the school was founded in 2000. Oh, now I, I should have looked this up before. I think it was 2001 that the school okay. was founded. And I, um, I started in, uh, in 04. And uh, it was, like I said, it, the school was founded by Abu Dhabi National Oil Company. So it was meant to be, it was meant to train people for the oil and gas industry, for the Abu Dhabi, but also global oil and gas industry. Um, and uh, uh, it was more yeah. focused on like economics or like we had, so we had five, five disciplines. Again, I should have looked this up before I showed up, but uh, it was uh, petroleum geology, which is what I did. So petroleum geology, petroleum engineering, mechanical, chemical, and electrical. Those were the five ah. disciplines they started with. Then they expanded into uh, some other things later on as well. Oh, dude, that's legit, man. That sounds super interesting. Yeah. So petroleum geology, Abu Dhabi. Yes, sir. What did you do? You got an undergrad and a master's? I do. I do. Uh, I, got my, I got my undergrad there. I, uh, my family and uh, are in the, lots of my family on the mom's side are in Dallas-Fort Worth area. So uh, I went to UT Arlington, University of Texas um, Arlington. Oh. Shout, out, shout out Mavs. Um, <laughs> and um, so, yeah, that's where I got my master's in petroleum geology. While I was there, I did an internship with BHP Billiton down in Houston. Um, interesting day talking about BHP. You've probably seen the news about BHP and Woodside this morning. Um, no, I didn't. Talk to me about that. What happened? So I haven't, I, I've only read the um, headline, but I, I knew something like that was coming. But uh, BHP is divesting, I believe, of all of their oil and gas assets. I may be wrong, but they're divesting of a lot of their oil and gas assets anyway. Um, I, I emailed myself the article to, to read during lunch. Um, but uh, they're selling a lot of that to, to Woodside, yeah. Woodside? Um, I don't even know Woodside. Woodside's another big player that's just like a global player? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those that we don't know a whole lot about in, in the U.S., but uh, we might go down the road because of how much, how much more they're going to be involved with the Gulf. Probably. So BHP is going to take that money and do what with it? Alternative? Uh, I mean, well, no, I mean, they're a mining company. Even So when I interned with them in 2012, uh, I, the oil and gas um, portion of the company was a small percentage. It was still, you know, making many millions and billions of dollars for the company, but it was still a small part of the company. It's a mining company, Aussie company, obviously Australian, and the overwhelming majority of their work is in, uh, is in mining business. Yeah. So they're the, the parent company, so to speak. I was with BHP Billiton Petroleum. So the BHP wow. Billiton, the parent company, probably is just going to you know, keep working on, on the mining Old side. copper, silver, precious. Yeah. Oh, yeah, stuff. absolutely. Exactly. Well, tell them I got a couple of plays. If you know anybody, I got oh, a couple, that's right. yeah. couple of great plays, man, <laughs> that they want to get into. Uh, anyway, wow. So your first internship was with a global worldwide exploration company. And what did you do right away? What, did, what was your job? We did. Uh, so I, I joined the uh, Brazil New Venture team and uh, they gave. So it was uh, seven or eight of us on the team. They gave me a couple of fields, Campos Santos, uh, to, to map and build some maps and uh, field and reservoir models of them. And uh, there, there were times we were in the news because Brazil was hot. And I would you know, ask my colleagues and mentors in the team. I'm like, you know, they're talking about, you know, BHP's Brazil team. Do they know it's us? It's just people. And that's one of the fascinating things about oil and gas as well. I mean, we'll, we'll kind of link that to Entercom and Elper as well. But it's, you know, you, you hear about companies and then you talk to their CEO, their engineer, their geologist, like, oh, there's only eight of you at the company and you're making millions of dollars. And, you know, 
part of my career, we'll get to that in a bit, was in you know, A&D, acquisition divestiture. And most of the companies that we worked with were small companies of you know, 5, 10, 20 or so people. That's where you and I met yeah. uh, at the beginning. And yeah. um, you know, you're amazed that you know, a tiny company like that, 10 people, you, you have a $50 million asset. That's amazing. Um, so, uh, very yeah. cool. Let's jump to that. Let's jump to that real quick sure, man. because I definitely want to learn more about your young career, academia, all that stuff. I think that's, that's something we can dive into at a, at a deeper show. Agreed. If you ever want to come out to Arizona or maybe if you're going to WTGS symposium in the fall in uh, September, we could do a, a show there. That would be badass. I'm I'm hoping to be up in uh, in back in Denver for AAPG Ace. I don't know if you'll you'll be oh, here. You're going but... to image. Yeah, that's right. I kept getting yeah. image. I kept, kept I kept ignoring emails about image. I was like, that's probably spam. Until like the fifteenth one, I was like, let me open it. I was like, oh, it's called image now. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Uh, maybe may, maybe a little bit of a you know note to AAPG and SDG to uh, I don't know <laughs> let let people know uh, outside of just emails what image is. Right, um, right. And what does it stand for? Do you know? Do you have any idea? Like, I, I know I read it once, but I did too. We, we, we can bring it up, but yeah. What the heck would that be? Innovation. Um, you, you, innov- you know, you know, my camera is right here, so I can't type <laughs> without <laughs> without making this weird. But uh... <laughs> I know you can't Google this right now. This is just off the top. Give us your best acronym for image right now. What oh God, think? why are we doing this, man? I thought we were here to talk about Intercom. <laughs> i'm just kidding all right man let's let jump to jump to uh your your uh experience in mergers and acquisitions right and divestitures through um that company that's called detring yes sir okay <laughs> i was trying to cheat i got it but it's too late now uh, what, uh, is, what is it it's um uh hang on imaging unconventional reservoir pore systems no that's not that's um this isn't being recorded is it oh no um we can splice it yeah <laughs> it's all good man it's all it's all part of it my one of my favorite parts of conan um shows is the scraps when they show everything that <laughs> but anyway that actually, yeah, so a- aapg aapg scg annual which is in september in denver if yep. anybody is uh, you know comfortable attending in person please do i'm sure i think there's going to be a virtual uh, component to it as well so let's you know is that <laughs> sounds good, man? Well, at some point, we will definitely have to link back up and go deeper into into really that uh, that experience, that interesting experience. I think you had obviously coming from Abu Dhabi, getting a degree, and then coming to the states, and then go, you know, everything that we just talked about. That's fascinating to me. But specifically for this call, we we're talking Intercom twenty twenty one. Yes, uh, so let's let's drill down and start with this. We're going to drill down into Intercom 2021 with Sean. Um, I'm not going to try the not, last name again. I'm sorry, man. I, I almost said it, but I was like, no. Nah, Sean, Sean, Sean K works. Sean K. <laughs> we're, we're drilling down with Sean K. And I want to start with this question. From what you learned and your experience at Dietring and what's happening today at Intercom 2021, what in your opinion, is actually getting deals closed? Like, where is money actually going right now? Yeah, no, that's interesting. Because I know we, we had a conversation early on about, uh, um, about conventional, unconventional as well. Oh, it's, yeah. uh, it's, well, it's, what's interesting is when you go to meetings like Sipes, uh, Sipes Houston, one of my favorite meetings to go to, it, it's, 
all of these groups, all of these meetings are just completely different worlds. You yeah. go to Cyrus Houston, it's a different crowd, different interests. Yep. You go to Nate, and I thought this is my first intercom, and I was told that by some that is similar to Nate, but different. And that's, that's a perfect <laughs> description of it. It's kind because, of it, though. <laughs> well, so, so now that I'm here, I have a much better understanding of okay. it. Um, so for, I, I'll give you an So I, I think both conventional and unconventional are in. Here, I have heard very little about conventional. You go to Sipes, you hear so much enthusiasm about conventional, both of them perfectly valid, amazing opportunities in both areas, I think. Mm. Um, NAPE is where the deals happen. This, I feel like, is where a lot of deals happen, not necessarily the acquisition divestiture, mergers, acquisitions kind of deals, but um, there are so many um, insurance companies. There are risk assessment companies uh, and uh, hedge um, specialists and uh, um, law firms and so on. So there's a lot of that. So I feel like, the, and, and then, you know, companies who come and speak, one of, one of my favorite things, again, it's my first intercom and I'm um, blown away by the incredible um, amount of access to the, well, first of all, the attendee uh, level and caliber, and then the access to them. It's uh, to just give you a, and, and we'll, we'll get to what's getting deals done, but let me like throw this in for anybody who's not uh, familiar with, uh, with Intercom all that much. Um, so Intercom, first of all, it's Intercom Consulting. It's a company. I'm, I'm getting to know all of that uh, through this trip. They put on a couple of shows a year. Uh, this year, uh, so previous years, I think 2019, they had about 1,500 people attend. Uh, this year, they had uh, 1,100 people sign up. They say about 90% in person. I don't see about 1,000, 900,000 people um, in person, but I think one of the main reasons is that we have two halls for talks, and then there, there's about a dozen rooms, one of which I'm sitting in, which are you know, rooms where deals kind of happen, the, the, the breakout break rooms. Breakout rooms, they call them, right? Exactly. So I'm, I'm in one of those breakout rooms right now. So I think that's, um, that's one of the major values um, of this uh, conference. And um, so, you know, people who come and talk are CEOs of oil and gas companies that you've heard about, uh, CFOs, al almost without fail, it's someone at the C-level, not that necessarily that's the most important thing. Uh, but it's just the fact that when someone is talking, you know that their organization's thought process is all behind that person. And sure. when that person sits in a breakout room with someone else, another operator, a private equity firm, a midstreamer, you know that they could just about sign a deal right there and then. Wow. So that, that's it's, one of the really interesting things about the access and, uh, and the folks who are here, which I think is, is amazing. Did you do the golf tournament? I didn't because I don't, I don't play golf. You don't but, golf? Uh, no, I should. Dude. Yeah, that's how you I, get I, I mean frustration. Too, but... <laughs> Smack that ball, man, all over that golf course. <laughs> I don't care where it goes. Uh, yeah. Try to get it in the hole. Uh, yeah. I was there in 2019, man, and that's interesting. You pulled some stats from 2019. There was a lot of people there. There was a lot of people. Yeah. And, uh, and the vibe was not positive. That's for sure. Interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's very different um, this year. It's, um, so folks who are here, up, upstream, midstream, uh, private equity, ESG renewable, data, law firm, um, insurance folks. Uh, so we were talking about uh, – um, you know, upstream, we'll, we'll maybe jump back and forth a little bit. 
So private equity, for instance, super positive. Uh, the, the, the few who are here, the few who are talking, they're really positive about uh, you know, how enthusiastic they are in, uh, about investments, which isn't what you would think is happening in the market, right? Uh, you, know, you know, based on every conversation you, you hear on the street, it's not always super positive. But um, you know, kind of to your point of what's selling, free cash flow is, uh, is selling. Paying down your debt, that's what's uh, selling. And one really interesting thing that has uh, come up is, and it's, so there's a lot of emphasis on ESG here. And I know that among the you know, right around 1,000 people here and across the industry, there are a lot of varying thoughts and um, opinions about ESG. Uh, environmental also, social governance is what you're talking about, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Environmental social and governance. And um, what's interesting about that is, again, there are varying opinions. Some people um, love it, some hate it, some want to go with it because their financiers are kind of pushing them, forcing them to do that. Uh, yeah. And again, like, like I was saying, comparing rooms, um, going from one room to another, one conference to another, it might be very different vibes. Some people are just bad-mouthing ESG, but elsewhere, everyone is talking about like this, and uh, you know, no judgment. Uh, but uh, here, for instance, uh, I can say at least 80% of the operators who were talking, they talk about their ESG activity to date and their goals and plans uh, for ESG in the future. Some of them, you could tell that they're not necessarily doing it because they love it. One of them actually said, uh, yeah, well, here's our, here's our ESG slide, like, just like that. It's like, that's yeah, <laughs> the obligatory ESG slide. Fair enough. Um, yeah, but then when you- How many companies are involved in- That's the amazing thing. Over, so I, I knew it was over 90 companies, but I thought it was all attendees, but it's over 90 presenting companies at, uh, at this three-day small, fairly small- compared to, you know, your Urtech and NAEP, it's fairly small and it's a fairly tight space as well. It's not a conference. Um, yeah, if, I, if it's in the same place, you go up the escalator, it's got a badass sign, and then there's basically two big rooms up there. I, I bet Inverus got one of the corners of the, of the lobby next yeah, to the do. coffee stations. Yeah. That's a, it's the exact same place then. It is. No, it's the exact same place. It's Westin, downtown Denver, and uh, exactly that. You come, you know, two, two escalators up, you get to where the, um, where the two, basically you put the two um, halls where the talks are held at, you get a medium-sized wedding venue or a good, you know, good-sized wedding venue. So it's not huge, yeah. but in a way that's kind of, I don't want to say like the, the charm of it, the value of it, because every time you're sitting listening to a talk, you say hi and you say hi and you walk away make having made contacts with two very interesting important people you know, the, the number of times that i'm sitting at lunch and someone has come and sat next to me like hey just wanted to follow up on that or i've done the same thing is um is amazing wow man i had to get pbe at the next intercom man we had yeah, to do man. podcasting and just meet these people like you're talking about. Cause you're absolutely right, man. I remember being there. I remember being there sitting down and being like, Oh, business card from a guy with Wells Fargo. Oh, that's weird. And here's a, you know, business card of, of a lawyer, like you're talking about or somebody else. And, and then I went there knowing nobody. I knew zero, mm -hmm. zero. Yeah. Did the golf yeah. tournament, met the, the organizers. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, the older dude, the glasses that runs around and like really puts this whole thing on. Like the people involved in the intercom really know what they're doing for sure. Yeah, um, agreed. Met some great contacts. Still talk to them today. 
and and trying to you know understand deals and and where can I you know put my time and attention to help sell deals or get people motivated to spend money to start de-risking it. You know what I mean? Like, then there's yeah. a lot kind of, it's interesting that it's so positive in, in kind of any, in almost anything. Uh, and ESG is a very complex and, uh, and pretty complicated subject to, to attack uh, and, and why they're doing it, why, why, how that actually turns into money, right? If you, if you're high in ESG or you have good ESG, I don't even know how to scale it. Like, what does that even? So, so here's the thing on ESG that um, it, I, one of the things I love about it is that companies aren't just talking about ESG. You know, 90% of their talks are about these are the wells we drilled. This is the results we got. This is the acquisition we made last year, a year before, whatnot. Um, and then, of course, they're talking about their ESG as well. But uh, that, the reason I say it's different from room to room. So we had a, uh, we, we had a panel, a, um, SBE A&D Symposium a couple months ago. I think it was in May. We were, we were on an ESG panel when you have private equity types of the world in the room, it's a very different vibe than when you have independents or you know, private companies on their own, which again, not judging one way or another, but it, it just is different vibes. Because when you're private, you're, you're not really answering to anyone. When you're independent, you're like, hey, I'm drilling my you know, conventional or unconventional well. You know, my money is coming from, uh, uh, I won't name names, but like, you know, folks on LinkedIn are like, thank you for investing. <laughs> um, it, I, I think we all know who, it, it's totally fine. Like it works for you, you have your financing. But when your money is coming from elsewhere, without fail, every lender or private equity who was, who was here, and there's some major, major ones here who have put in one to $5 billion into recent uh, ESG funds that they have for oil and gas companies, they very specifically talk about this is this is your access to capital. If you want to, if you want 100 million from us, if you want 200 million from us, these are some of the uh, criteria that uh, that we look at. Um, and actually, one of them uh, mentioned uh, that uh, I had a quote um, somewhere, but so I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing. But they, so in, in our case, so I'll, I'll tell you, uh, not not a plug, but you know, I work in Ambaris, so I'll, I'll share some of my experiences. But I, you know, we, I talk to uh, folks about ESG three, four times a week at least. Um, and in more cases than not, they, they care about the E more than S and the G. Because exactly. like, hey, exactly, the environmental, the emissions, greenhouse gas, the flare volumes and things uh, like that. So uh, they're like, can you show me how much we're flaring? Yes. Can you show me how, you know, benchmark us against others? Yes. N- some uh, who want to write their sustainability report care a lot about the uh, social and the governance side as well. But um, one thing that I found really interesting is that a lot of the PEs, private equities at this conference, one of them very specifically said, um, we see G, the governance, as the driver of E and S. Yeah, they said board quality and leadership is essential to company performance. Now, again, I'm I'm reporting here. Some agree. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got the people that are getting paid a lot of money to, to determine yes or no. Right. And then they sit down and come up with, you know, how the company should run and, and then they make the decision. So that makes sense that uh, at that level, you know, G is what's really driving it. Environment to me is the rocks, dude, is the, is the geology. It ain't, yeah. the, it is not 
the people because the people come up with the emissions and the carbon and then what are we doing with the methane and how bad is that that's all ideas of the people the yeah. environment is truly the rocks dude the environment is what is actually coming out of this ground what is the gas actually you know at a, at a in the elemental level what, what are we talking about here and its impact and all that stuff the environment that that's what i get out of that anyway for the e and esg uh, and then the, the, the people, man, the social aspect is a big deal. And it starts by educating, educating mm-hmm. for sure, uh, educating the people on, on what the social, uh, what is, what's going on. But at the end of the day, ESG is all about just becoming more efficient. Stop yeah, making safety issues. Stop making problems. Become more efficient. Make more money. Become yeah, more respected, again, by the investors and all that stuff. So I think ESG as a whole is all about just becoming more efficient. No, I, I agree. So just to pick on the uh, uh, just to pick on the, uh, the, the the social aspect that you mentioned, I think especially coming out of the the, the 2020 and the pandemic and the um, quarantines and everything, and you know, like, like we addressed at the beginning of the podcast, it's been a it's been a rough time. And I you know, for, I personally didn't quite admit it to myself at the beginning how 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 rough it was. But um, I'll, I'll say this: like one of the things that that that, our, that my company did was uh, we had virtual, I forgot what they were called, but basically emotional health sessions. They, they hired outside companies, hour long, completely voluntary. If anybody wants to join, basically they, 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 they talk to you through, hey, listen, you're not alone. There's so much going on. It, it's things that I, it, it, I don't have the expertise to talk about, but essentially um, helping you go get through the, the tough times that you're going through. I know I was dealing with some some things, a lot of my colleagues with, you know, families and kids and working from home. I, I like working from home. I, I think a hybrid is good, but some colleagues had younger kids and they just couldn't. So it's, there, there was a lot of difficulty. But um, so I, I think the one part of S that is really important, the, the social aspect of it is, and, and kind of goes towards the governance too, but how do you treat your people? Like I... I've come out and you know, the world hasn't quite come out and we're still working through it in the U.S. as well. But um, out of the pandemic, appreciating that um, I feel like I was, you know, I was supported emotionally. The company took care of us um, fairly well to the best of their ability. And um, so that's important for retention, I think, for instance. And, and for so when, when I talk to someone and they say, how's I'm very, this is the, the story I will tell because that's what I experienced. It just depends. Someone else might have a different experience. So it's sure. that's so that's part of that. I think that's part of ESG. The environment, the E for environmental. I, I see your point from a from a geologist standpoint. I completely agree. Uh, but if you think about it, ESG isn't even. It's not an oil and gas thing. It's one. It's not against oil and gas. It's not even an oil and gas thing. Yeah. Just about every major industry, aviation, transport, every industry has ESG. And environmental for every one of them, there are some common, um, you know, commonalities, common aspects. But I'm sure there's going to be a lot of differences between them as well. That you know, for oil and gas, it's flare volumes. For a different industry, it might be something completely different. It's good. Point. So, and there are opportunities. I mean, this is what we talked about on the panel at uh, A and D at the SPE thing. That there are so there's, there's opportunities that people can um, can seize because of this. You know, we're not at the position where, for instance, you know, some European companies are forced to um, reduce their emissions by a certain percentage by this date. Fine, that's their, you know, their decision and the government's decision. But we're not there yet, which means we have that 
option to voluntarily kind of get into that uh, side of the business. Midstream can benefit from it. Oh, um, I forgot who it was, but they, there was a company who was talking about that the value that they're getting from um, not flaring as much because um, I need to think about it. I, I think the, the mineral owners, they're paying mineral owners less because uh, less of a fine because they're flaring less. The mineral owners are, are, are getting more out of it as a result. And then there's a midstream company that comes and picks up that volume and then goes and sells it. So there's still, you know, there's a whole side of the industry could, that could make money off of it without hurting anyone else. I think that's why maybe everyone's so excited. So obvious, right? Natural gas is kind of rallying. It's coming up. We got more than enough to figure out what the heck to do and how to convert that into efficient energy and all that stuff. So it seems like a huge void that, you know, it's not even about the unconventional oil and the oil plays, right? And like how much oil is coming out of the ground and how's the decline curve and how are you going to fight that whole thing, managing the decline curve. You know, now you got this big void of, well, we got all this gas coming out of the ground. Looks like it's going to be worth some money. And uh, and let's get after it, which, by the way, the actual government, I think, in the U.S. could do a lot better job and and support the reality of becoming cleaner. Right. And this whole idea of we're transitioning and, and whatever this carbon footprint idea that they're they seem to be so supportive of. Yeah. Uh, why not give us a break? Why not help us build the infrastructure needed to make the really valuable gas that's being flared and burned off and like trying to like make a better product from it, like get involved in that, make that more possible and more achievable, more economic for the industry to move forward successfully. I think that's a great way to merge. I mean, what a great way to, to show some innovation, show some integration, show, uh, show some, uh, some, you know, being respectful with everybody. Like we're yeah, working yeah. with the energy folks. We're working with oil and gas. It's not us against them. We need to transition together. What a great opportunity to show that. No, I, I think this uh, us against them thing that you mentioned is, is definitely, unfortunately true. Uh, it's, that's one of the issues with having a two two party system that when when it's one party they're a hundred percent for and almost a hundred percent against and then the other party comes on and it's yeah it's the opposite uh while there is a beautiful middle ground that everybody can make yeah. money and do it better and improve the quality of lives of people um in in the process uh, yeah, yeah. and that that's what that, that that's a, honestly as, as cheesy as it sounds um, that's, that's one of the things that I'm most passionate about, about the industry, the energy industry as a whole. We, we, you know, in, in our case right now, mostly oil and gas, but also, you know, the, the renewables, whoever they, we run the world. Basically we fuel the world economies and people's lives. And, um, the, the more we can do to, to improve people's lives, whatever the form or format, the more, the more we work together. Again, it gets a little cheesy and kumbaya, but uh, it's, uh, I think it's true. guy. You're the guy to run that, man. Inverse needs to hire a new, they need to make a new position and it should say uh, integration, world integration manager. And you go around the world and you talk to the politics, you show them the data, you understand the rocks and you say, look, the only way we actually get through this if we, if we really work together. And here's, here's a roadmap to maybe do that. And it's built on, you know, a ton of success. Yeah, I'll, 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 not, not that he needs any plug whatsoever, but Dr. Scott Tinker of uh, UT's Bureau <laughs> of Economic Geology, I, I, I think is, is the perfect spokesperson for a lot of these things. 
Uh, if, if anybody hasn't watched Switch or Switch Two, the two documentaries, they're Switch amazing. Yeah. They they talk uh, Switch. So yeah, they talk about the uh, energy poverty around the world. It's, oh, they're, yeah. they're just um, you can find both of them, I think, on Amazon still. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, I'm kind of like linking it back to uh, Enercom for the last couple of minutes we have is you know you know the, the, obviously the main focus is oil and gas. It's called the oil and gas conference. Um, very humbly called the oil and gas conference. Uh, <laughs> um, so that's like 80, 90% of the conversation. There's some conversation about, uh, about ESG. Just about every talk has a little bit of it. And we have had talks um, against it as well. There are opinions on both sides. I'd say maybe 80, 20 in favor. Uh, okay. And, and out of those 80 in favor, like I said, some want it, some are forced to do it because of uh, financing. But again, that kind of tells you where private equity, where financing, you know, financing your assets, access to capital is going if you're looking for capital for private equity. Yeah. Um, and then we also had some, uh, some, some, some talks about renewables. We had, um, you know, our own, uh, so embarrasses, uh, Sarp Oskan, he's, he's a senior director. He works on our power renewables uh, uh, division. And he, he talked about renewables and how to pick winners. Um, and what was interesting about that and a couple of other renewable talks, I'll mix all of them together, is that um, not, all, not all renewable projects work. Um, and, and I may get my numbers wrong, but I think that four out of five uh, may fail. How are you going to find that one that's going to be uh, profitable? Well, it's important for you to have that data, that visibility into what's happening in the industry so you can go and make those uh, decisions. Um, that, that was mostly on SARP stock. There were, there, there were other talks that were talking about current production of oil and gas and renewables and demand growing over the next 20, 30, 50, 60 years. How much of that, if there's zero oil and gas production and development, development and new uh, barrels added, how is that going to taper off? How big a gap is there going to be? How much of that is, uh, are the renewables going to be able to fill? They're not going to be able to fill all of that till 2050 that we're talking about net zero and so on. So it's not a uh, debate between is it going to be oil and gas or wind or solar? It's that's going to be a portion of it. Um, oil and gas uh, is going to be is important, is going to be important. Yep. Um, and uh, renewables are going to grow along the along the way as, uh, sure. with them as well. So, yep, I like that, man. We're, it's in a good spot. So that's in a good spot. It's it's good. It's, it sounds positive. Uh, let's yes. just run a quick three, two, one. Let's go. Are you ready? Yes. Uh, before, we, before we do that, I just want to say again, big kudos one to you for all the great podcasts and your energy, and also to the Intercom crew for putting such an amazing show together. It's uh, it, it's it's great. Right on, man. Right on. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that because it's a big yes, deal sir. for the people that do put it on. Anytime. I, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. With that, I'm going to head back to uh, the, the, the wrap up the last day of Intercom. Right and thanks for what you're doing. We'll chat soon, buddy. Right on, brother. Later.